You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. 325, Romans. While you're turning there, I'll tell you, yesterday I sat on the platform between, between two giants. You ever hear of Prestonwood Baptist Church in North, North Dallas? Jack Graham, the pastor there, sat right beside me here. I'll ever hear of Kenneth Copeland. He sat right beside me, one, one guy away from me right there. I was sandwiched between these two giants yesterday. We all spoke at my pastor's funeral. Pastor Jim Hester was well known around the world. A lot of great people knew him. That's how they got, that, got these big names to come and speak at his funeral. And they had me there. Not a big name. Until yesterday, I got a big name. Pastor Jim used to say, he married married a woman named Joanne, had a daughter named Kimberly Ann, one named Suzanne, one named Julianne, one named Leanne. He he said, somebody said to him, what would you do if you had a boy, if you had a son? He said, I'd name him Tarzan. I'm one of his sons, so y'all can call me Tarzan, Dr. Tarzan today, okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it means something to be a part of a family of faith. And I've been a part of a great family of faith all my existence, all my time walking with God. I learned that if you do better in Christ, if you plug in and stay plugged in. Plug in and stay plugged in. There were times I didn't like my pastor. He came one time, he called me one time and said, John, I want you to go to Mississippi and see this boy out over there and get him and be one of your guys in your fellowship. I said, no, to myself. I didn't say it to him. <laughs> because I didn't do that kind of thing. I did, I did, not, uh, I did not recruit people, you know. I, if they wanted to be part of what I was doing, they had to ask me. I'm just fuming on the phone. I said, okay, Pastor, when do I have to do this? He said, well, call him as soon as we hang up. Here's his number. And go, with it, go next month sometime. Yes, sir. Hung up the phone. I fumed around the house. I said, it makes me so mad. And said, what's the matter? I said, I don't do this. It goes against my principles. He told me I had to go to Mississippi and try to re- recruit this guy into my fellowship. I don't do that. I don't like it when he does that kind of thing to me. And said, why don't you shut up? You're supposed to be on my side, girl. She said, I'm telling you to shut up because you know you're going to do it. All this is just smoke. I said, that's right. I'm going to do it. I learned not to be in rebellion. Obey those who have the rule over you. 
And he didn't have any legal rule over me at all. My heart was attached to him. And if he told me to do something, I obeyed him. That's why I have so many people today obeying me. I have a huge staff at CFNI. I don't know how many people work for me. I can't even count them all. I don't know why I'm there. They have people with more talent. <clears throat> well, maybe not, but they have. <laughs> they, they have. I have some really smart people that work there for me. But I think it's not because I'm more talented or anything like that. It's really that I, I submitted myself years ago to a man like Jim Hester. And God brought life to me from that. Let me tell you something. Every action that you perform and every word you speak is a seed sown in your life for your future. Everything you do, everything you say is some kind of seed sown for your future events of your life. That was worth coming to church for. You should be throwing money. But you're not. Romans 3.25. Let's turn there. <coughs> Romans 3.25. For whom, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, speaking of Jesus, through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. Amen. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. I want to read this to you like the, the, the Greek text really says it. That he might be just as, he's, as he justifies him that believes in Jesus. As he's justifying you, he is just. He justified you not because of how you performed. Not because of how you acted. Somebody else say thank God for that. He justified you 2,000 years ago before you were born. Yes. You came along and said, what do I do? I'm a sinner. What do I do? You don't have to do anything. But believe on the one who died for you and was buried and rose again on the third day. Put your faith in Jesus and that wipes away all your sin. Glory to God. What a wonderful thought. <clears throat> and let me tell you something. You did not cause Jesus to die. I heard, I've heard so, many, so much preaching like this. People saying like, things like, it was your sin that put Jesus on the cross, you filthy sinner. Your sin put him there. You're the reason he had to die. Wait a minute. He didn't have to die. He chose to die. He wasn't murdered. He gave his life. Who do you think he was? Some poor little victim? This is the God of the universe walking in human flesh. He had a choice. He did what he did because he loved me. He did what he did because he loves us. God loves you today. And you'll never be more loved than that, that, that love right there. Your husband may love you, but he can't love you like God loves you. Your wife may love you, but he can't, she can't love you like... <laughs> oh, there was a slip. <laughs> We had a big banquet of another big speaker at our, at our school this week. What day was that? Ricky Rush came. Oh, Wednesday. <coughs> Wednesday. Had a big banquet there at the, on campus. Pastor appreciation. pastor appreciation for all the pastors that support CF and I. I was sitting there 
And uh, Miss Ann stood up and said, I'm the pastor of the river in Durant, Oklahoma. I stood up and said, and I'm the pastor's wife. <laughs> Ricky Rush like lost his mind over there. Nobody can love you like Jesus did. Amen. Chapter 4 of Romans, chapter, verse 1, chapter 4 and verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? Verse 2, for if Abraham were justified, that word justified is dikayu. Dikayu. Make a friend of it by saying it. Dikayu. By, if he were justified, dikayu, by works, the word is ergon, E-R-G-O-N, ergon. He hath whereof to glory, but not before God. If he's justified by works, he can glory. He can say, ah, I did it. He can be Frank Sinatra and say, I did it my way. He can't, not before God. Now listen to what James 2.21 says. Was not Abraham our father justified, the word is dikayu, by works, ergon, when he had offered up Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Exact same two Greek words. Exact same two Greek words. This is a direct contradiction if this message is to one group. But if those messages are to two different families, two different groups, they make more sense. Yeah. I'm going to show you today how you're made righteous by faith alone, even though what James says contradicts that. I'm going to show you how to prove it from the Scriptures that you're not a Jew. The message to the Jews is different from your message. Amen, amen. So if you're not a Jew, don't act like a Jew. Heard about a guy who was skiing on a wide ri river and he fell off the skis and the, as his boat was making a turn, he noticed over there in the high reeds a, a duck boat, a guy with a shotgun over there, hiding in the, in the reeds in a boat. And the, the skier jokingly says, don't shoot. The hunter said, don't quack. <laughs> If you don't want to be a Jew, don't act like a Jew. Don't try to be a Jew. You're not called to be a Jew. You're called to be a you. Amen. God didn't call you to be a Jew. Only in heart, in spirit, that is, inside us. Because that, that law that made them Jews is now written on our hearts and makes us who, who we are, the children of God. It's oftentimes overdone to call, to talk about discipleship. I find that so many people say it's one thing to be saved, it's another thing to be a disciple. You can be saved, be born again, but now you've got to be a disciple after that. I don't believe that's true. That's backwards from the way it was with Peter, James, and John. They were called disciples first before they were born again. They were disciples first. And then Jesus died for their sins and they became 
sons of God. And as, as disciples, they didn't do much. But as sons, they changed the world. Are you hearing me? As disciples, they just walked around and said, look what Jesus is doing, look what Jesus is doing, look what Jesus is doing. And when they became sons, they, they showed them what Jesus is doing. Look what Jesus is doing. Through them, he began to work and operate through them. Because they're now part of the family of God, not just employees. Not just students. Disciple means a pupil, a student. That's what a disciple is, a follower, a learner. A son is much more than that. A son can act like his father if his father's not there. People see my firstborn son, and they, now that I've lost all of this weight, they take a double take when they see me and him together. Y'all saw that? We look almost just alike. He's a blessed kid, I'm telling you. He's so blessed. Why? Not because he went to work for me, because he was born of me. You look like God when you emphasize your sonship, not your, not your slave, slave ship. You look more like God when you emphasize your sonship, not your slavery to him. Romans 4, 3 says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh, y'all have heard me talk about that so much. Now to him that worketh is a reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. What's he saying here? If you get paid for something, that is not grace. That's payment. If you do something that you earn money for, how many of you work for somebody else? When they give you a check, do they owe you that money? Or is that a gift? They owe it to you. It's not a gift. How many of you have ever gotten your, you had your boss give you a gift? Did he owe you that? No. What was it? A pure gift. Trying to get you to love him more, probably. <laughs> Work harder and stay there. There's a difference between a paycheck and a gift. Big difference. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. Justifies the godly or the ungodly? We hear in our heads that he justifies the godly, don't we? That's not, that's not what he said. He said he justifies the ungodly. I didn't write this. Paul did. The Holy Ghost wrote it. God justifies the ungodly. Wow. The ungodly. He justifies the ungodly. How does he do that? The moment they believe. The moment they believe. And all that Jesus paid for comes rushing into their hearts and lives. And it changes them from the ungodly to the godly. Amen. You don't have to get godly before God can justify you. You're justified right now if you believe it. Amen. Amen. How many of you in here have, have already believed it? Amen. Amen. That's good news. I believed it. The only way these two things can both be true is if they have different audiences with different mandates. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts 15 and verse 22. 15, 22. <coughs> they had a big conference. 
called the First Council of the Church in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Council. And the question before them was, how is a man made righteous, and how does he keep that righteousness? How is a man made righteous, and how does he keep that righteousness? You see, the Gentiles have been saved by faith alone, believing on Jesus. And the Jews, some of the Pharisaical Jews, which were Christians, said, went to Antioch and said, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the law now. Wait a minute, that sounds like a bait and switch to me. Bait and switch is offering one thing, but when you get there, they give you something else. Then it pleased the, the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Now stay with me. Verse 24. For as much as we have heard that certain, men, certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to be to whom we gave no such commandment. There was never a commandment given that Gentiles had to keep the law. Never a commandment given that the Gentiles had to keep the law. He's talking to Okies there, y'all. For <laughs> Gentiles. You Texans that are among us too, you too. How many Texans are in the room? Shame on you, Texans. No, 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 no shame on anybody. No shame on any Texan. You have to come to Oklahoma to get the truth, I know that. I don't blame you for being here. Verse 6, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, listen to this word, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed, verse 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Wait a minute. What's that saying? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. David said this. David should have been put to death for what he did. He knows what he's, what he's talking about. He was blessed because he did not get what he deserved. He got mercy and grace. And he said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. It was a symbol of what was going to happen with us. God refused to kill David for what David did, a murderous act of David. Adultery, murder, he was awful for a little time. What does God call, what did, what did the people call David, called Jesus the whole time he walked the earth here? Son of David. Son of David. Not son of Solomon. Not son of Abraham, not son of Jacob. He was son of all those. But who they call him the son of? David. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Let me tell you something. It's not a gift if God, if you've committed sin, if you've not committed any sin, and God does not impute sin to you. If you've not committed any sin, 
and God does not impute sin to you, that's not a gift. That's you getting your pay. You get what you do. But David says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin, the guy who has committed sin, and God will not impute it to him. Why? How does this happen for you and me? Because God, was, God really meant it when He said, He put all of our sins over on Jesus 2,000 years ago. That does not mean it's automatic. You must believe the message when you hear it. The moment you believe that message, it comes rushing into you. In your life, your heart gets changed forever. Glory to God. Anybody here had that experience? I've had that experience. It's awesome. Legalism keeps you from this. It keeps you thinking God's angry at you. How many of you have had the experience of feeling like God is mad at me? Let me see your hands. You know why you got that experience? Because some preacher told you that. They, they, they give you this game to play. I did this good, this much good. Hope that outweighs that bad, that, bad dirty, that dirty joke I told. I gave ten more dollars in the offering. Helped an old lady across the street. I heard about a guy who died and went to heaven. Standing there at the pearly gates, and Saint Peter says, "Hello, pilgrim." The guy says. What do I do? Can I just walk in? Peter said, well, you need some points. You need to earn some points. Well, how do I earn points? Well, tell me about your life. The guy says, well, uh, let's see, what good have I done? I, I worked in the soup kitchen downtown for 10 years straight every Saturday. I volunteered my time to work at the soup kitchen every, every Saturday for 10 years. St. Pete said, okay, I'll give you one point for that. One point for that? How many points do I have to have? He said, a hundred. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. He said, well, I, I pastored a church for ten years, and I laid hands on the sick, and I led people to Christ, and I buried people, and I married people, and all that. He said, well, that's good. I'll give you another point for that. <sighs> He's thinking, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to get in. At that time, an old boy, he knew that he played golf every, every other Sunday. Really, really was a CEO Christian. You know what a CEO is? Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> he saw a CEO walk up there and just walk right in. He said to St. Peter, hey, wait a minute. I know that guy. How's he just get to? I know he's done better than me. How did he get to, just get to walk in like that? Peter says, "Oh, he won't play this game. He won't play the game of legalism. I'm not playing that game anymore. Amen. Stop playing the game. It's just a game the devil plays with you. Amen. See if you're good enough. You're good enough because Jesus is good enough, not because you are." It's not a, not that it's a that's not a blessing if he hasn't committed sin. That's payment. It's only a blessing if he has committed sin and does not have it accounted to him. Wow, what a thought! What a thought! I got another story for you. 
heard about a mafia leader who, who bribed a jury, a foreman of the jury. He set him up for murder. I need you to get me off with manslaughter. The guy said, okay, I'll do what I can. Paid him a bunch of money. They had the trial. The, ju the ju judge gave the, the uh, instructions. They, they went to the, to the deliberation room. They were in there for hours and hours and hours. Finally, they came out. And they said, not, said manslaughter. Got the, got, the, got the verdict, manslaughter. Oh, Luigi was so, so happy, mafia the guy. So happy, run over there to the foreman and said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. It, it took a long time. Was it a hard-fought battle? He said, yeah. The rest of them wanted to acquit you, but I, I had that for manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best deal you get with legalism. That's right. It's the best deal you get. Still guilty. No matter how good you are, you're still guilty. You hear me? You're still guilty with legalism. You never get off. You're never innocent. Verse 9 of Romans 4. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, meaning the Jews, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness, Verse 10, how then was it reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Now you remember James says right the opposite of that. Verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, <laughs> that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed, imputed, imputed unto them also. Imputed to them also. <clears throat> I looked up this word breastplate because I wanted to share this verse with you. Ephesians 6, 14. Take your Bible and turn there. Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, Ephesians 6, 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness. That word breastplate is only found two times in the New Testament. It's really found only three times in the entire Bible. One time it's in Hebrew, in Isaiah. They have a breastplate on the priest, but it wasn't the same thing, different kind of breastplate. The warrior breastplate is what this is talking about. And so I'm going to mention one time in Isaiah, and one time in Ephesians, and one time in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at all three of them. The one in Ephesians is right here, breastplate of righteousness. Look what 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. You got that one? But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of, of what? No, what does it say? Breastplate of faith. Breastplate of faith. Two times it mentions breastplate in the New Testament. One time it calls it a breastplate of righteousness. The next time it calls it a breastplate of faith. You've heard me say it many times. Faith is righteousness to God. Because He accounts your faith 
as your righteousness. You can't be righteous enough to please God. But if you believe God, He calls that righteousness in and of itself. Because it reverses how we first went wrong. Amen. It's a breastplate for your life. It covers you and makes you warrior-like. Makes you able to fight. If you know who you are and you have good armament on, you can stand and fight the, the devil. Because you're going to be tested on what you know. You're going to be tested on what you know. Anybody here ever go to school? You get tested on what you know. I test my students regularly because I don't trust them. I love them, but I don't trust them. <laughs> my daughter came to me one time when she was 14. And she said, Daddy, we're going to go out to the lake with, with so-and-so. I said, no, you're not going out to the lake with so-and-so. She said, well, Janet gets to go. I said, I don't care if Janet gets to go at all. I don't care if the whole town goes. You're not going. <laughs> she said, Daddy, you act like you don't trust me. I said, that's no act. <laughs> I don't trust you. I don't trust your friends. You're 14. And she's pastoring the church today. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Verse 12, And the Father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. You see, Abraham was, was made righteous by faith alone without circumcision. Verse 13, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. This tells you something. The promises of God are to you because of your faith producing righteousness. Not because of any other thing. God does not respond to need. You need to hear me say this. God does not respond to need. If God responded to need, He would never, never set foot on America, American shore again. We have no needs here, really. He would spend all his time in the really needy countries of, of the world if God responded to need. He does not respond to need. He responds to one thing. Shout it out. Faith. He responds to faith. Faith is the language of God. Amen. Speak your faith. Stop talking about what you have. Stop talking about what you want. Amen. If your dog is gone, you don't step out in the backyard and go, Oh, my dog, oh, my dog is gone. My dog is gone. My dog is gone. My dog on dog is gone. No, you start. You don't. You don't do that. You go. Here, dog. Here. 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 Whoo! Start calling for what you want. Start calling the dog. I've heard Greg do it. Call those dogs. Call those dogs. That's what you wanted, isn't it? You call out what you want. Don't beg God to. Don't beg God to heal you. Call for sickness to leave and healing to come. Glory to God. Yeah, healing. Come on. Come to me in Jesus' name. <clears throat> for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. You can make your faith not work. You can make your faith not work if you rely on your performance. 
Verse 15, because the law works the wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. You see, we have the idea that Adam's sin is much stronger than Jesus' righteousness. We think we're sinners saved by grace. You used to be a sinner, maybe, but when grace came, it was so much more powerful than sin. It wiped away sin. Took it all the way back to Adam. Curtis Coker tells us about when the priest stepped into the Jordan River. The water rolled all the way back to a city called Adam. Isn't that good that our sin, that, was, that which was keeping us out of the promised land, went all the way back to Adam. Glory to God. All the way back to our father Adam. So that we can enter in by faith alone. Believe in God. Amen. Abraham is called the father of the circumcision, but he's also called the father of the uncircumcised. Let me read this verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not of that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. How does this work? Three pivotal pivotal moments in Abraham's life. Genesis 15 says, in verse 6, he says, And he believed in the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. He was uncircumcised then. He was like us. At that point, Abraham was a Gentile. In, verse, in chapter 17, God comes to him and says, I'm going to change your name to Abraham from Abram. Abraham, I call you father of multitudes. I need you to start calling yourself that. So that's what Abraham means, father of multitudes. And when he said it, after 24 years of God saying, you're Abraham, but his name is still Abram, 24 years of God saying it, nothing happened. And God changed his name, and Abraham started saying it. Three months, Sarah conceived. Three months she conceived. Why? Because you have to partner with God. Start saying what God says about you. Amen. 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 Call yourself prosperous. Amen. Call yourself blessed. Say, say about you what God says about you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Then 17 had something else. God said, you're going to be circumcised. I want you to circumcise yourself and every male that's among your employ. Oh, how's this news going to go down with, with Eleazar, you know? So he circumcised himself. What a man. He's either a lunatic or God talked to him. Because no man making up his own religion does something like that. No man's going to come up with something like that. Am I right, guys? Don't take a knife to my ear, to my finger. Don't touch me there. Not with a sharp knife. Not even a dull knife. But he did. 
He obeyed God. That's how we know God spoke to him. And chapter 22 after that, now he's a circumcised man, made righteous by faith. 22, God says, take your son, your only son, up on the Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. That's when he painted the picture and allowed God to give his son to us. Because God could not just give his son as God because he had delegated his authority to man here. He had to get a man first to give his son in covenant so he could receive, so he could give his son in covenant exchange. You see that? We exchange rings at weddings. There's always gifts of like kind exchanged in a covenant. And that day, God had Abraham give his son. And you know the story. He stopped him just before he killed the boy. He did it in his heart that was far enough to make it happen. That way God could get it in his heart to give his son for Abraham. That's how he was justified that day. Justified like you are by faith. Justified like the Jews are by works. Father of us all. You see it? It's a powerful thought when you think about it. Amen. Kind of helps you understand James a little bit better. Verse 17. I like this one. I'm going to end here. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I, God, have made thee, Abraham, a father of nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who makes the dead alive, who quickeneth the dead, and calls those things that be not as though they were. Let's stand upon our feet. Stand upon your feet. Today is a day of calling those things that be not as though they were. I want you to open your mouth today and talk about what you want. Call that dog back. Call your health back. Open your mouth and call yourself wealthy. Talk to that business deal, business deal that you have going and speak to that thing. Speak to those, those grades and bring them up, young people. Talk, talk your, what you want instead of what you have. Speak it out of your mouth. Call those things that be not as though they were. That's how God made the world. That's how God made the universe. That's how you make your world too. Let's say it together. In Jesus' name, I call forth my blessings. They belong to me. Jesus died for me so I could have them. Today I have them. Today I have them. I take them back. My prosperity, my health, my family, my good grades, everything I need that has been bought and purchased by the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, I receive it. And now I'm going to rejoice like I already have it. Amen. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah.